0: Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. Todd Buckingham here and joining me, Greg Steeman and Zach Dosh. And today we're going to focus on a little bit more players for our season preview episodes. We're going to talk about the first and second team and then some players that intrigue us that we think might surprise some people that maybe didn't make those first and second teams and maybe some news and notes around the league. And then I think it will be two weeks from today, we are going to have our first ever play-by-play voice forum. So we at least have six play-by-play announcers throughout the Summit League, and and we're hoping for a couple more that will join us as we try to organize eight to 11 people on a podcast. So that will be an interesting thing we try to put together, but it will certainly give a different perspective. Really excited about that a couple weeks from now.
1: And everybody should know all the credit goes to Todd for putting that together. I think it's going to be probably the most interesting episode we've ever had. Uh, No, it's not necessarily saying much, but I mean, seriously, (laughs) these are the guys that are the voices of these schools. They all want to come on and chat and give their own unique perspective. You've heard ours. Now you get to hear theirs. And and, uh, we just want to give you as much context as we possibly can. um, Before this season starts, got about two, three weeks left. We want to make the most of it. And I think this is a great idea. So, I'm looking forward to it. I probably won't say a thing during the whole episode. I'll probably just be listening along with
2: everyone else. And, and Todd, to your credit, um, to go get that many play-by-play guys, it, it, it'll probably be a three-hour podcast because those guys <laughs> never stop talking. Yeah. And so, And uh, like, like like Zach said, he and I are just going to sit back and, and absorb all the knowledge they share. I think it's going to be – I, I would guess that not many leagues do this. So I think it's innovative. It's creative and it's unique to the summit league. Great job.
0: Yeah. And if you are sitting back as one of the play-by-play voices and you're going, well, wait a second, I don't know anything about this. uh, Check your Twitter direct inbox (laughs) because you may have missed it. Um, I I did get a hold of nine of the 10 teams, Western Illinois. If anybody from there is listening, we are trying to figure out who a person could be. We'd love to have a person on for every summit league team. We just don't know who to reach out to uh, for you guys. So yeah, that's I'm really excited about that too. So I like you guys said I think we're just going to kind of set the table and let them let them kind of go and and I think that'll be a lot of fun and a lot of good perspective. So let's jump in with the first and second uh all summit league teams and just talk about maybe the players that you think belong where they are, some that maybe could go up to the first team or down to the second team and then we'll just kind of go uh, a few players that were, are not on that list and just talk about a couple of players from at least each team and uh, kind of go from there. This will be a little player centric. And since it, since it is a little player centric, the big player news, we had said last week and, and previous weeks that Elijah Lufile was not with um, Oral Roberts at, at this time, but that he was, he was stepping away. He signed with the NBA G League. So he will definitely not be playing this year. Uh, a big loss for Oral Roberts in my opinion.
1: And he just came so far. You know, that's the one thing. And I, I mean, who know maybe playing in the G League is actually a good thing for him, you know. So I, I don't want to necessarily say, ah, oh, this is this is too bad. I mean it's too bad for us as fans and, and probably the Oral Roberts fan base and team. But maybe this is a good thing for him. I don't know. He's came a long way both physically and mentally, and he was really just coming along nicely last year, finding his niche. Um uh, you know, we'll always have the memories from last year and all that went into that. But um, uh, thanks for that update. Uh, appreciate knowing uh, and getting a little closure on the situation, so we know what to expect going forward. And I suppose it's a great time to bring in a seven foot five Connor Van over.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, then, and I agree. I mean, we all talked about it. I mean, uh, it was hard to argue with his production down the stretch for ORU last year. I mean, one of the kind of the things you could count on was going to be a double double from the Philae. And, and I wish him the best. I, I hope things go well for him. Um, he's he's a, an incredible physical specimen. And I hope his uh, grasp of the game continues to, to take place. And I hope he continues to improve. And I hope he finds a way to have some success in the G League. And the other thing it does, it allows, you know, Coach Mills and their group, and maybe they knew this a week or two ago, but it allows them to go, all right, we know who we've got. We know what our, our group is. And we know who we're going to practice with every day. And and uh, it allows them to just kind of settle into uh, dealing with the personnel that are there night, uh, night in, night out.
0: Yeah. So let's move on to the first team. And if you haven't seen a all Summit League first team, both preseason and postseason, they they put six players on the team. So one is the player of the year and then a five-player uh, first team. But then, of course, the player of the year is also first team. So preseason player of the year, Max Acemas. Then you've got guard Trent Massner from Western Illinois, guard Zeke Mayo from South Dakota State, forward Grant Nelson from North Dakota State, forward Frankie Fiddler from Omaha, and forward Luke Apple from South Dakota State. And my first question to the two of you, with Aizmus being preseason Player of the Year, I know for myself I I put him first on my ballot, and and i I think from how we've been talking the two of you would would do the same. So I'll ask this if if it's if you did have Acemas as your first player and then if you if you didn't, who would that be? And then even if you did, who would be your player of the year if it wasn't Max i Well,
2: I'll just jump in quick. Um, I'm going to go back and reiterate, you know, when I look at the first and the second team, um, this is um, it seems the talent is, is concentrated on the perimeter in the league this year. And uh, and when you when you look at the makeup of that group i i laugh with luke apple being a forward he's the best back to the basket guy in the league but nobody ever wants to be called a post anymore right right and uh so he's i guess he'll be a forward but outside of that you've got everybody on the perimeter i'll just jump in i would say if it wasn't max Asemus, trent masner had fantastic production last year but you know you know it, and and i i guess it it was a struggle to kind of see how Western Illinois didn't gel down the stretch, but his production is unquestioned. I guess my perception would be, I'd look at Grant Nelson at NDSU, you know, did he put the eye popping numbers up? No, he didn't. But is he the guy that when most people watched NDSU and or had to compete against NDSU was probably one of the toughest matchups in the league. Um, he can, he can face up and, and go at smaller players. Um, or, or, go, or bring bigs out in the perimeter and go at him. He can, he can go down on the block and post up smaller defenders. I think one of the most versatile scorers in the league, he's, uh, he's got to go out and prove it this year. He's got to prove that he's taking the next step. But if it wasn't AceMus, that might be the guy that I would have thrown uh, my vote towards.
1: I 100% agree. Uh, Grant Nelson is the answer to your, to your question, Todd, for me anyway. Um, and I think this player of the year race is going to be much closer between those two than uh the voting would be at the beginning of the year because you know it's and and obviously this comes with a little bit of a projection for grant nelson but i think everybody can agree that this is probably the the easiest projection that we're going to have to do all year is projecting grant nelson to be one of the best players in the conference we knew he was the most talented but last year it was kind of you know there there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen right there are a lot of good players you have rocky cruiser one of the literally one of the best players in ndsu history sort of taking up a lot of his space. And now we have Grant Nelson unleashed. And it's not just unleashed, but they have to run things through him, whether they like it or not. And it's obviously a great idea. Historically, Coach Richmond hasn't necessarily relied on one person to do a lot of the scoring or or ran the offense through one person, as I'm sure Greg can attest. But that may be their best bet this year. That may be the evolution that this program has to take on based on how their pro, uh, their roster is evolving as well. And so I think when you look at Grant Nelson, he's a guy that can affect the game in the most ways out of anybody on this uh, group, including Max Asemus. You know, it's going to be kind of like last year where, okay, you have Max Asemus leading the whole conference in scoring, whether that's 25 points a game or 30, we'll, we'll see. But then you had a Baylor Shireman who was, Averaging less points per game, but affecting the game in more ways. And in the end, that's a one out in terms of the player of the year award. So um, Grant Nelson is going to be like that. I mean, he could average maybe only 15, 16 points per game, but probably, you know, 11, 12 rebounds, probably four blocks, you know, things like that. I'm sure he's going to be passing out of double teams all year long. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him up at five or six assists. And then the question is, is, okay, he's having this level of production. How does it translate to wins? Right. They've, they've had a a culture of success and they've, they've always done it, but they haven't exactly dealt with a situation like they faced this off season. It's it's some true adversity. And it's an opportunity for them to really show the value of their culture. Can it get them through a situation like this off season into this year? Because it could be a fun one. It's going to be a lot different, a lot of new faces but I really think Grant Nelson steps into a situation where the combination of opportunity and skill set is really going to shine for him, and I think it's going to be him and Max Asmus neck and neck all year long for the conference player of the year.
2: I yeah. agree, I agree. Todd, you go ahead and you make your comment on who you would think it would be outside of Max, and then I'd like to make a comment on Max. So you go ahead.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you you two on on Grant Nelson, and I think one of the things that it kind of comes down to if you look just at this first team in itself you just don't have players that aren't in a top half and probably even top three teams in the league um on a team that's in that in that area win the player of the year so Trent Master is is so productive and and will do great things I just don't see them finishing more than in the middle of the Summit League same with like Frankie Fiddler, and and then with Zeke Mayo and Luke Apple I just don't know I think it's going to be a little bit more shared over at, at, in South Dakota State. Um, and so, yeah, I agree with you on on Grant as being the most likely other player.
2: And and with that, I want to ask you guys now this. How how much better can Max Aismas be? And I'm saying this based, you go back to the Sweet 16 run, the year that they, I mean, the kid was fantastic, played at an ultra-high level. Last year, I think he was dinged a little bit was not always at 100%, still, um, you know, a a player of the year type candidate. What does he do this last season? I mean, what, what do you guys see him doing to make himself even better than he has been the last two years?
1: I think the biggest thing for me is just how can he really make sure that all his teammates are elevated to that next level production like they're going to need to not only make it to March and the NCAA tournament, but win. that's kind of what happened two years ago, you know, he had his teammates playing really well, Carlos Juergens knocking down shots. You know, they had, they were playing with a lot of confidence and it's just a question of, can he unlock Deshane Weaver? Can he unlock some of these other guys that, you know, taking them from, say 30 or 35% shooting up to 40. If they do that, like if Kareem Thompson shoots closer to 40% from the three point line to Weaver shoots closer to 40%, they're going to be extremely hard to beat. So it's a question of, does he start most games knowing that he can always get his and knowing he'll probably have to down the stretch. Does he focus on getting these guys going, drawing the defense? If any help defense comes at all, he'll give it up and just keep feeding open shooters to keep giving them confidence, knowing that by the time March comes along, all those guys are going to have, you know, hundred, 200 threes under their belts. They're going to feel much more comfortable to be able to keep that balance that they need on offense to be able to win. And also knowing that the more balanced they are, obviously the more open he's going to end up being down the game, down the stretching games and he's going to be the closer. So it's, to me, it's just about how can he get, everybody else going because he you know he's he's always going to be able to get his right
2: right and
0: and i guess greg i'd answer that by not playing on one leg yeah he he, he averaged 22.8 points and 3.7 assists last year uh clearly bothered by a foot or or ankle or lower leg injury um and and so The one thing that I always think about with Max is a lot of times you get a college player that averages 20 plus points and it's, and yes, it's with a lot of volume shooting from him, but I also just don't think of a lot of times where I'm like, what is he doing? Like, he's not just firing up shots either. And so I don't think I'd be surprised with him averaging 24 and four and a half assists. I really don't. And so if, if they win, I think he's still the front runner for me. I think this year is is a is a prove last year was a little bit injury based um type season for him.
1: That's, that's yeah, the number. I, yeah, the number I had in my head was like seven assists. Like I think you could get to seven assists a game. And if he gets to seven assists a game, they're gonna be extremely hard to guard. That's because that means that he's setting up his teammates and they're knocking down shots and they're the offense is flowing and they're and they're balanced and all that good stuff. I did we ever hear what was wrong with him last year?
0: No, I, I, I Something with his foot, but no yeah. nothing specific.
1: Yeah, because it, it was apparent. Like we, yeah. we all kind of were asking each other at the same time because you could just see him move, he just wasn't quite moving like he was. You know, obviously he's a little bigger, stronger, faster this year, all that good stuff. And and you're hundred percent right, Todd. Like when's the last time we've saw we've seen him make a bad decision? Yeah. He doesn't really even force any shots. So um he's pretty close to realizing his potential, but I think it's about what can the rest of this roster do? What, how can he facilitate that?
2: Yeah. yeah. And to your point, I mean, he's he is one of the few superstars that still lets the game come to him. And I say, I mean, he's superstar, he's, he's one of the best ever to play in the league. We, we all know that. And, and I, I hope he comes out and, and has an, uh, an elite year. And I think to your point, Zach, I'd love to see that number go from four to seven on the assist because that means he's putting his, his teammates in position to be more productive. They've got to be more productive. They've got to be able to knock down shots. They've got to be able to finish at the rim. And I think that's what he can do is, is the best ones always find a way to elevate their, their the, the level of play, of their teammates. And I think that's what he's was. Mis- and, I, and I think we all see it. His makeup is about that. The kid is not a me first kid. And think about that. A kid that averages mid twenties being not a me first kid. That's pretty special.
1: Yeah. So, so let me ask you guys this. Not necessarily kicking everybody off the first team, but who on that second team do you think has the best chance to jump into the first team?
0: Well, I know it's a guard.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be a guard.
2: Yeah. We'll start there. You know, I'll, I'll just jump in. I, I, I guess my thought would be, <clears throat> I mean, it's, and it's unfair. It's a lot of pressure, but the level that Plitza White was playing at when he went down was, was incredible. And it'd be unfair to sit there and say he's going to come back at that same level. But if he comes back at 80% of what he was, and then over the course of the season gets back close to what he was at the end of the season, he got injured. He he's a, he's a top five player in the league. And I think he's um, he's very much, he's probably more of a creator than max is, even though max is underrated in that aspect. Plitzel is, is, is a guy that, um, really, really elevates the level of his teammates' play. I mean, his ability to get in the paint, his ability to knock down the mid-range jumper. Uh, I think his shooting ability is underrated. His athleticism, and which is tied directly to his recovery from his injury, is also underrated. I just think his feel for the game is is as good as anybody's in the league. So that's the guy that jumps out at me. But it all it's all dependent on where's he at, you know, after a a long 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 recovery from a really horrendous injury.
1: You know it, it's almost like if if he he's almost more likely to be on the first team and then the second option would be like not like no team at all just cuz his knee isn't coming back and then the third option would be like second team. You know what I mean? Cuz yeah. like if he's good enough to be on the second team, that means he's healthy. There's a pretty good chance he's on the first team. Yeah, but but yeah. if he's not if he's not on the first team, it's probably more to do because he's not healthy, not because he's not playing well enough. So if that makes any sense,
0: that does make sense. He's mostly the, the most likely player to be on first team or not on right. either. Yeah, exactly. it, and yeah. and probably second team is the least likely option.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It could be. Uh, yeah, yeah, no disagreement here.
0: Other than the ball, there's a little bit ball, more ball to share, but he's he he's a true point. So yes, he can score too, but he's really is able to share with everybody else. Uh, I have a, a second team question for the, the two of you. I'm not sure three guards from USD make it on the second team or, or maybe Plitza White was on first team, but I don't know that three guards make it on the first and second team by the time the season's over. That just doesn't tend to happen. Is is there one of those three that you think the numbers may go back just a little bit now with Plitz White coming back if he is back and healthy?
2: Well, w- one thing I'll say is three guards can be on the first and or second team depending on where USD finishes.
0: Oh, good point. Yep. And,
2: and and I think that has a lot to do with it because I it, it all depends on how does Eric Peterson meld this talent and then you you know you throw in the the transfer. The local kid uh, uh, you know from UND. I mean there's four talented proven uh, perimeters in the league. How does he meld that together and, and where does it get them you know as a finish in the league? And then the one we're we're kind of ignoring is Comateros, who has been a preseason pick, who's been a postseason I think first or second or second team guy. Um, you know with that the, the strength of that perimeter play that USD has, how much does that open things up for Comitaro's on the interior? And, and he's yes. still a pick and pop guy, but he's not. He's also very effective back to the basket. Uh, but I, I think it comes down to I, I think we you can see three USD guards in the top eleven players in the post you know at the in the postseason awards depending on where they finish in the league. Right.
1: So like the way I look at this is if the season actually plays out this way and all three guards are on the second team then my prediction of them taking second in the conference probably came true. Yeah. But, but, but I agree though, that there's, there's a, there's a, there's a great chance that they don't all three end up on there. Is that because AJ is in the first team or is this because Mason, our uh, you know, he is, his production is most sort of vultured by AJ Plitza whites. If, if uh, to use a bad phrase um, is is, and then he kind of bumps off. Um, is it more about another player playing their way on? You've mentioned Tassos Comateros. He's going to have, if he averaged 11 and 5 last year, he's going to probably average a very smooth 14 to 15 points and probably six or seven rebounds, which is probably good enough for the second team because he's going to be constantly open with these three guards out there. And he does a great job. Like, he he's a very smart player. He gets himself in the right positions. He moves off of penetration very well. And I think he's going to have nothing but, you know, layups and jump hooks and little jumpers wide open because these guards are going to get it to him after drawing the defense. So, I mean, he's definitely another guy that can move up there, but yeah, I would agree. I it's, it's probably a less than 50% chance that all these three uh, end up on the second team, but it's certainly possible.
2: It is. Let's go back to commentary One of the reasons we, we don't talk talk about him enough. He's he's not this explosive, athletic big in in the Summit League. He's just he's just effective. He's efficient. He's he spaces the floor. He can convert down low. He's the uh, he's the interior version of Frankie Fiddler. Uh, you know, one of the first teamers we haven't talked about. You know, he's the, kind of that guy that won't blow you away with his athleticism. But at the end of the night, you look at the box store and go, holy crap, What? You know, how did he put those numbers up? And so I I, I, I agree with you. I think Tazos is going to be the big beneficiary of a, a really, really strong perimeter group for USD. And
1: I don't mean to be overlooking Masner
2: and Fiddler. It's just
1: we have less of an idea of exactly how they're going to be used. Like, we know they're good players. There are a lot of good players on this roster, on this list. But we don't know exactly how they're going to be used, so we'll just kind of reserve judgment and call them good players and just see how they're used after, you know, a couple of weeks here. And we'll, we'll know a little bit more about what this list should maybe look like, but um, you know, plenty of other guys on this list, you know, and it's so hard because like, if we're saying toss those technically we should be taking somebody off that list. And I don't know that we necessarily want to get in that business right now, Mm -hmm. but I mean, okay. So you could literally go right down the list, for all these guys and paint the scenario where they make an all-conference team. I mean, we could paint the scenario for De- for Tevin Smith to make the first team, right? No Coburn Porter, no KJ hunt, uh, nothing but uh, availability and usage available for him. He may end up on the first team because he's going to get more shots, more usage, and they're probably going to be a top half of the conference type of team. And you could do that for every single one of these guys. And that's, what's going to make this year so fun. All a bunch of every team has a guy or two on this list that we could talk about that could really be making that type of jump. So whether it's freshmen coming into the league or transfers, I think I think the um, newcomer of the year may be the most competitive award out of all of these. (laughs) You have a tremendous amount of good players up for that award.
2: And that's and that's with a lot of really good people coming back. I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to throw out another question to you two guys. We haven't talked about one guy on that first team. Zeke Mayo. How good can this guy be? I, I had a little birdie, I don't know, that said he looks pretty good early. Um, I don't even know if they've had a, a, quote, secret scrimmage yet. But what's Zeke Mayo's ceiling You know, in his second season for SDSU, in, you guys, in your guys' opinion?
0: There's a chance he's the second or third most talented player on that first team list
1: yeah yeah I I I would I would be a little surprised if he's going to be a first team all-conference player like the only way he's not is if he's injured Uh, we don't want to talk about that I think he takes over sort of the focal point role of this offense I mean if there was one I think one of the strengths is there isn't necessarily one but I mean, he like, I think he's going to see the biggest jump in his production out of anybody on that South Dakota State team, yeah. and
2: that's while winning. Yeah, that's saying something. What do you think,
0: Todd? Yeah, I if I had to rank him, I think he's three on the chances of, if Vegas for some reason was asking me to put odds on the player of the year, I think he's three. Yeah. And, and he's the most dynamic scorer on the team with South Dakota State, especially in the backcourt. And, and there's minutes opened up for him. And, you know, only the fact that he's a sophomore, but we saw what Max Aismiss did his sophomore season. And there there's some, some similarities, different players, but scoring ability is certainly there for Zeke.
1: If he goes out and averages 18 points a game, I am not going to be shocked at all. Oh, nope. He, I, could, I easily, he could easily be a top five scorer in the league. And that's not to say that may not even be the most impactful way that he affects games. He's just as good on defense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just the type of player and caliber of player that we think he is.
2: Well, and and I think the other thing about it is you look at guys (laughs) like Easley and Arians, and, I mean, the the maturity that South Dakota State still has, they could care less. They're going to be all in. They're not going out to say, this year's my year to average double figures. They're going out to say, how do we win the most games possible? And if it's setting up Zeke Mayo to be successful – you've got some of the most experienced players in the league setting up Zeke Mayo to be successful. I think it's not only his talent, but what he's surrounded with that's going to maybe allow him to really take a big jump this year.
1: You know, you mentioned some really interesting guys, you know, Charlie Easley and Alex Arians, you know, I'm always curious as to the criteria that people use to vote for these teams. Certainly not saying that it's wrong, but is it, the most talented guys? Is it the most productive guys? Is it the guys that affect the winning the most? You know, I, I don't really know. You'd be hard pressed to find five uh, or eleven other guys that affect winning more than Alex Arians. Right. And that's about a, the the biggest, the highest level of praise that you can give a player, because every team in this conference would find a, a starting spot for Alex Arians.
2: I I think so. I agree. I agree.
0: Yeah, I I agree too. And and ultimately, it just comes down to a lot of times numbers are what, how people yeah. vote and the way they vote. You know, Tevin Smith is a little bit that way too. I don't know that he's going to average more than fourteen points a game, but he was third in the league in blocks last year as a six foot four, six foot five guard. Yeah. He does a lot of little things too, and you know, the, I I just don't know that his jump numbers are going to jump up that much just based on some of their transfers they brought in, but it, but I, I think he's in that second team range and is was in the preseason, but it might not be with some of the numbers that you see from some other players in the league. And and that's the same for Arians too.
2: It is. Mm-hmm. And and I think Smith, and, and we go back to coach Wilburn's interview where he just talked about how he's, he's literally out there going, what, what can I do to make my team better? He doesn't, He's not, he's not seeking his opportunities. He's letting the opportunities find him, and that's a credit to his knowledge of the game, his ability to move without the ball, his, his just c- kind of feel for his teammates. He's not trying to take things over. He's trying to say, all right, you know, when the opportunity finds me, I'm going to convert, and at the same time, I'm going to set my teammates up for success. He sounds like the ideal type of guy to coach, and uh, good for Denver because they need that, especially after losing someone like Porter for the season.
0: Let me ask you guys another question. One team that didn't have a player now for Omaha and uh, Kansas city with so much turnover that having just fiddler out of those two teams makes some sense, but a team with a couple of guys that had some pretty good numbers last year that didn't get added to either team this year is St. Thomas. So you've got Riley Miller coming back for his last year who averaged 15.4 points per game last year. And You've got Parker Bjorklund who averaged 12.6 points and 6.3 rebounds, and I think we'd assume that both of them will be starters this year. Do you think either of them can find their way onto the first or second team this season?
1: Uh, you know, Riley Miller would be the guy for me, just because you know the way he shoots the ball is—he's one of the best shooters in the entire league, the entire conference, and just you know, after going through last year, it usually. When you, when you step up in competition, usually it's the shooting that's affected the most because the game's moving a little fast. It takes you for a while to get comfortable. You have six, seven guys guarding you instead of six-foot guys in the MIAC. You know, supposed Your shooting's supposed to be affected, and he still averaged 15.4 points per game. That leads me to think that he could do even better than that. Shots are going to be available. The question that I don't have the answer to is how do all these – super talented freshman factor in does that kind of offset does Riley Miller become more efficient but maybe his numbers pull back just a tad because there's more talented players around him and they they have more of a team approach this year i'm not sure i'm not sure how his numbers are going to move but i think a guy that can shoot it like that only needs a couple of shots to get to 15 points per game i i think that's likely and if he's averaging 15 to 16 points a game there's a probably greater than 50% chance that he makes it on that second, uh, second team all conference.
2: Yeah, I I like that observation. And, you know, we've talked about, Hey, you know, at at the college level, the biggest jump sometimes is from your freshman to your sophomore year. Maybe the biggest jump for Riley Miller is from the first to second year of division one competition. My guess is that young man learned a lot. Yes. He shoots the ball exceptionally well, but I have to believe the difference in level of competition probably was the biggest obstacle he faced. And my guess is, I mean, you watch him play, he's a high IQ player. I think his ability to benefit from now some younger talent, but maybe some bigger, more physical talent on the floor, does that free him up more often? And has he learned a lot from his first year at the Division I level? My 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 gut says, of course he has. And that's, that's probably one of the reasons he came back. The second thing I'll say is what well, we don't want to, Underestimate from from Bjorklund is let's go back to the first and second team all league. Apple is the only post player that's on there. This is a perimeter dominant league. Let's see what some good bigs do. You, know, you got Mitchell Sucker coming back at UND. You know you've got Bjorklund coming back. Uh, you've got Andrew Morgan at NDSU. How do they how do they step up into those roles that have been vacated by some really good bigs like Douglas Wilson, um, Rocky Cruiser, some others that have left. Can they step in and take advantage of maybe some production opportunities on the interior and, and make their teams better? I think that's going to be a, an interesting interesting thing to see how it shakes out. So to be honest with you, depending on how things shake out, I don't know that I wouldn't be shocked if either Miller or Bjorkland ended up there depending on their team's finish. And also, you know, some idiots made predictions on team's finishes and got <laughs> ripped for being awful at their job. And uh, things like that. And I love that because <laughs> I was one of those. Um, I can't wait to see some of those lower predicted finishing teams surprise everybody and take everybody by, by storm a little bit and, and finish at a much higher level than, than expected. I'm looking forward to it.
1: I mean, it's possible. The, the thing about St. Thomas last year is they had to work extremely hard to score every point that they scored. I mean, they really had to run offense and reverse the ball and set good screens and they had to be about perfect. They had very low margin of error and they still put up good numbers. Not to mention Parker having his hands full on the defensive end with all the guys that Craig, that that Greg talked about there. Um, And so does maybe the elevated level of talent this year, does that maybe free things up and they become even more productive? That's certainly possible. It doesn't necessarily mean the production has to be spread around. They may become more productive. It's possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it'll. And one name that we've talked a, a little bit about, Kendall Blue and Ajani Lee, two of the freshmen. Uh, Andrew Rodi is the is the name that is getting thrown out quite a bit in in the whisper mill, um, as one of those freshmen that could have just be gigantic this season. So that will be interesting. There's just there is a lot of talent with those freshmen. So maybe even some that that we weren't anticipating as much. So it'll be really intriguing to watch. These these fourth fifth year former Division three players mixed with these highly touted freshmen be funny. and I mean
1: and and this may be a good time as any to talk about really the the freshmen in the conference you know obviously the transfers get a lot of hype and, and you you look at this list not a ton of freshmen out there on this list and so but even with that said I do think that there's going to be some freshmen that impact the league and obviously you know because we're talking about it the the group of Kendall Blue Andrew Rody, a Johnny Lee and Carter Bjerke from St. Thomas. Uh, yeah. Obviously they're, they're probably going to have, you know, two, three players on that, uh, freshman all conference team. And then, you know, you look at other guys like Matt Morris, I guess we can technically call him a freshman, right? He's a retro yeah. freshman. Yeah. Um, Kansas city. Well, basically their entire roster. So chances <laughs> are they get, you know, one person on that, on that team. And then, uh, to Javis Miller, um, it sounds like he's, they obviously really high on him and have big expectations and a role
2: for him right off the bat. Is that right, Greg? I, I think so. I think so. I, I'm going to go back to one thing that Todd spoke about, the Whisper Mill. Zach, you and I are plugged in a little bit in the league. The mm-hmm. Whisper Mill fin spins faster in Todd Buckingham's uh, timeline than, than anybody else's. That This guy is plugged in and knows what's going on. And, and Zach, you and I are fortunate to be able to hear about some of this stuff, mm-hmm. but we always get blown away by, by Todd's knowledge. But I'm going to go back to what you're talking about as far as the freshmen go, especially on St. Thomas. That's the value of having a Bjorkland, of having a Miller back, that experience, their experience, their one year of experience in the league, what they can teach those freshmen throughout the course of the season. There's going to be nights where people are going to go, oh, my gosh, there's no way they should be competing with this team. There's going to be nights where they're going to go, holy smoke, boy, these guys are freshmen. But I think that's kind of what St. Thomas has. But, I, but I'm in agreement with you about the freshmen. It's going to be really interesting to see how they impact the league and the finishes in the league this season.
1: Yeah, the, the other freshman that we have to point out is BJ Ahmed up at UND. I mean, yes. he's, you know, it, it's, it's one of those deals where, you know, to win the freshman of the year, you have to be very talented, but you also need a role and volume. And usually there's kind of an inverse relationship between, you know, the where that team is projected. And that's kind of what happened with Paul Bruns last year. It's like. Nobody thinks that Paul Bruns is a better player than Zeke Mayo, but I mean, Paul Bruns had the role and the volume and that's that's what put him over the top. And so that's sort of always the nature of this role. And but B.J. Ahmed is he's as talented a, of a player that UND has had as a freshman in quite some time. And they've had a number of a good freshmen up there. He's really going to have the role and the skill set to really, I mean, maybe make it the Golden Sombrero three straight freshman of the year up there. So, um, still a lot of really good freshmen. I do think they expect a lot out of, of Matt Moore's as well. Um, but yep. to to to, to kind of keep bouncing around here, I th- I think it's a perfect scenario over at St. Thomas because like if they just went all transfers and freshmen, they would lose what's made them so successful up to this point. I mean, we forget that nobody has won more games, maybe not the Division One level, but just their culture and what it takes to just maintain success than St. Thomas. And so they kind of get to blend that the old culture of how they run their offense and defense and play together and work really hard and, and really work as a group with some of this talent. Um, so you're right. I'm glad that some of these guys stayed on to sort of pass the torch to these younger, more talented guys. And I'm curious to see where the younger, more talented guys take it from here. That's,
0: that's a Zach, good point. I want, go Zach, ahead, I play. wanted to go quick to UND. They've got some some decent amount of returning players, but I think with with uh, Paul Brun's leaving and and just some of the losses that they have had, you know, somebody's going to step up and and take some primary roles that maybe they didn't before. You talked about BJ There Also, Jalen Trent has been talked about as a person that might do some really good things. You've got mm-hmm. returners um, like Mitchell Sucker. Who do you think are the, the the guys that we'll be talking about six weeks from now making a big impact on that UND roster?
1: Well, I think you hit on a lot of them. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to see the starting lineup settle in at, at Jalen. So Jalen Trent is uh, 6'4", uh, really uh, great, great, great defender, first and foremost, great facilitator, really well-rounded player. He's that big, strong point guard like they needed last year to be able to just control the dribble and control the defense, be the quarterback of that defense. Um, He's going to I think he's probably going to start at point guard and then shooting guard, probably Matt Norman. I think he's he came a long way last year and supposedly he's had a nice summer. Uh, He could really shoot it. It's just a question of how can he play better, you know, within the team and understanding what's a good shot, what's not a good shot. But he has good size. He has good size, and he's a pretty good defender as well. And so that's something, you know, adding size and length is really what they focused on. And then at the three, they're probably, they're, they're probably going to start BJ Ahmed. Um, he's going to be very hard to take off the floor. You know, physically developing is going to be a work in process. He's a little skinny right now, but at the same time, his talent and his length and athleticism is something that they just simply haven't had in a long time. And so um, he's going to be really hard to take off the floor. Mitchell Sucre at the four. Uh, I love his game. I think he has – I really hope he deserves to have a really, really good senior year, and I think he will. I think he could easily get up into that 14, 15 points per game and challenge for a second-team all-conference type of player. He's worked so hard. He's such a good leader, such a good student. Just the type of kid that you want in your program, it's just can't he stay healthy? I mean, it was just a nightmare last year of getting hurt <coughs> and then trying to play hurt, and then that just not working. Um, but he's back and ready to go. And then at the 5, Sutton starts seeds A., um, sounds like he's had a a good summer. It, he he kinda it took a, a a long time for him to adjust from um the JUCO ranks. And I it sounded like he's just playing with more confidence, which you know, his issues last year weren't necessarily physically related. It was primarily just mental and playing against good players every single night and and just kind of everything. His head it seemed like his head was spinning for a little bit a while and now you hope he's kind of settled in. But you know another another guy uh, Elijah Brooks, you know, Kansas Mr. Basketball. He's another really good freshman that came in, and you know is he gonna play point guard? Is he gonna play shooting guard. Uh, call it whatever you want. He's gonna be on the floor. He's gonna play a lot. Um, some players that I haven't talked a lot about: um, Caleb Nero, right? Brady Danielson. Some of these other guys that are up there that we know are good players: Regrant. You know he's gonna get some backup point guard run too. And so I think the biggest thing, like the overarching theme for UND this year, last year, they straight up ran out of guys between injuries and all this other stuff. They they basically ran out of guys. And so they looked at the guys that they had and said, what well, can you do well? And they just went and did that. Now they're going to be able to hold players accountable for poor performance and not playing uh, and doing the things that they should be able to. They've created competition, a little bit more deep roster, a little bit more length and athleticism. They have, you know, a Johnny Levi's who can provide a lot of versatility on defense and so there's um the roster looks more like a division one roster this year than it did towards the end of last year for a number of different reasons and and that's been well established but um i'm just excited to see particularly what they can do on the defensive and offensively they're going to be fine they're going to be able to manufacture it they did even last year when they basically ran out of players but defensively i think they're going to be much improved from last year and
2: and to and to that point i mean their depth was clearly the issue, especially after the injuries they dealt with. Nero looks healthy. Uh, my understanding is Matthews looks okay. You know, six nine, two forty, and and also Nicholson. My understanding is that he's completely changed his body from his freshman year. They've got some depth with their bigs, and 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 that's what matters. They've got you've got to be able to throw some bodies out there that can clean up on the glass, can defend at the rim. That matters. And then I had a chance to cross paths with Coach Sato the other day and. He said, you know, Eagle staff is shooting it as well as anybody in practice, the, the freshman out of Bismarck. Uh, now, his understanding, which every freshman's understanding of defense is, I just need to score one more point than the guy I'm guarding. <laughs> That's going to have to change a little bit. But um, my understanding is is he, he may find a way to, to contribute as well. And, and how often have we talked about this, Zach and Todd, what could UND do if they had consistent production around the 3 point arc. i mean it could open so many things up for them from from a success standpoint on the offensive end eagle staff certainly brings that
1: yeah i mean it's going to help to have a guy like eagle staff to be able to bring off the bench and i was kind of saving him for last because you know he's going to be he's going to be my my little fit my my favorite this year because obviously coming from Bismarck and just knowing the whole backstory and all that stuff like i think he's going to be a really good player I, I, I agree 100% agree with you, Greg, that, you know, it's going to be of a little it, it's he's going to have kind of a narrow role at the start, you know, yep. to, to give them a spark offensively off the bench. And we'll see how he grows into it from there, you know, and th- and that's going to largely depend on how well he, how good he is defensively. Um, but this team has options. They have options right now. Last year, they had one card to play. And if you had a higher card last year, then they didn't have a plan B. Now they have plan B and C um and you just look at this roster and it's just like man they did it again where they bring in all these really good under the radar freshmen and you just say if they could just get to their junior and senior years how good could they be that's the thing they're gonna there's gonna be some ups and downs this year but I really think by the time these guys get to their junior and senior year if they get there unfortunately we have to say that just because that's
2: the world we live in
1: they could be really good but no question it's a big year for UND
2: and, and what a, what a recruiting advantage for Paul Seder. All he has to do is say, "Listen, all we do is put out freshman of the year at UND." Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, yeah, you know, and and UND fans, you have my word. If BJ ahmet averages twenty-two points and ten rebounds, I'm not voting for him for freshman of the year. So
1: <laughs>
0: I, maybe we'll have to sandbag it. Yeah, you know? yeah, just yeah. just just as a as a token of 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 gratitude for you guys listening. I will not, uh, I will not vote (laughs) for him. And you know, one, one other thing I do want to say, you know, if you're you're a Kansas city fan listening or an Omaha fan listening, I promise you three weeks from now, we will talk all sorts of things about your team. We just don't know Western Illinois fans. Like we talked about those teams all the time last year. It's just, there's a lot of unknown and and we're, we're not going to, I guess, pretend on some things that we just don't know right now. Um, with some of those teams. But uh, yeah, just, I, just I, think that, I think that's a very note. important thing to point out
1: because that that's one
0: thing like, look, if we
1: wanted to make stuff up and talk about, oh, so-and-so is looking good in, in practice and so-and-so this and that, like we could, and I'm glad we don't go down that route. I'm glad we only talk about things that we can like truly verify.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can I, tell I, you, Alec Rossner, who's coming from Monona State, was a prolific D2 scorer. I just don't know what that's going to turn into. But their history with that, look what Will Carius did. Like Western Illinois, that Alec Rossner might be one of those players that were like, how did we not have him on the first or second team? It's just, I just don't know that stuff yet.
2: Guys, yeah, I'm with you. And, and you know what? I, I love when teams go out and prove us wrong. Um, we, we, we don't know any more than, than kind of what we see. And I I love when when teams go out and overachieve. I love when freshmen come in and and make an impact that we didn't see. I love when returning players come back and play at a level that we never anticipated them capable of playing at. I can't wait for those things to happen. I can't wait to be proven wrong. I can't wait to be made fun of for my pre-conference picks. And I I can't wait to watch it all develop throughout the course of the pre-conference season. And then throughout the course of the summit conference season, I I look forward to it. I look forward to every Sunday coming out with you guys and go, Well, I was wrong again on this and I was wrong again on that. I'm totally fine with that, and I can't wait to watch it all play out.
1: It, yeah. You know why that is? Is because it's not about us, it's about right? the these players and this conference and this coachings and, and all these coaches. That's what this is. This isn't about you know the Zach Dosh, Greg Stephen, and talk Buckingham hour it's about the reaching the summit podcast. And so yeah. if things change, you're right. Great. Somebody takes offense to what we say and goes out and proves us wrong. Great. Like it. it's not about us. It's about those players.
2: Yeah. We're, we're so fortunate to be able to, to see up close one of the best mid major conferences in the country. I don't care what anybody says we see it year in year out. And I think this is going to be, isn't it great to go into a year where we're really not sure? I know if Oral Roberts has a ton of talent. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't seem like they're the same foregone conclusion that South Dakota State was last year. And I think outside of those two teams, it's, it's still – we have no idea what, 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 the, what the end of the season rankings are going to look like. I can't wait to watch it play out, and I love the conversation tonight, guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, Greg. One side note from something you said earlier: I had one of the players I had on our list was a seven foot five forward, Connor Vanover. So <laughs> yeah. to, your, to your to your point that no one wants to be called a, a post anymore, <laughs> even seven foot five players don't want to be called a post. No, anymore. they don't. It, it, isn't, the, isn't
1: that a six foot seventeen
0: forward, yeah, yeah, Connor Vanover?
1: That's right. <laughs> yeah, not not seven foot. He's not a footer. Six foot seventeen. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I did have to laugh at that. And and to both of your guys' point, like there will just be players that are going to Markel Sutton at Omaha. They talk rave about him. He'll be a player that we talk about all all year as as things go on. And and I'm I'm telling you, I watch as almost every Summit League game that happens, maybe not live, but almost every one. And I and I promise the listeners, your team will be talked about plenty. Um, if it doesn't feel like that right now, it's just because we don't have as much.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could go down this line of other intriguing prospects and make a case for why each one of them or paint the picture for why each one of them is going to have a successful season. and could jump up to the second team all-conference, but this podcast would be three hours long, and I don't yeah. think anybody wants that. Yeah. We could talk about Andrew Morgan. We could talk about Tyree Corbett. We could talk about Mitchell Sucre and Mark Olsa, like you said. Um, but the, it's just sort of an embarrassment of riches for good players and, uh, and, and it, because there's a bunch of good coaching staffs in this conference. Yeah.
2: Great opportunities this season for a lot of players.
0: Well, and, and I had a couple more questions, but I actually think that, that this is a good spot for us to wrap up. I, I got to figure out what we're going to talk about next week. Cause we have one more week before we do the, the kickoff with the play-by-play voices. Again, I'm hoping we get to at least eight of the 10 teams having a play-by-play voice with us 2 weeks from now. Um but we'll, we'll we'll let you guys know on Twitter if you've got ideas for what you'd like us to talk about. I can put some some polls out there. You can send some we could even do maybe a question and answer. We that might be a fun little way mm-hmm. to to do that and get some of your teams yeah. that maybe we haven't talked as much about. Um but we'll we'll do that next week. And then again 2 weeks from now we got the play by play voice forum or whatever we'll call it something more intriguing than that. But uh yeah, with that, any anything else you guys want to add before we we sign off for today?
2: No, you guys get me fired up every time I talk. So you guys have a great week. I can't wait till next week.
0: Yeah, I can't wait till there's games. That that is the most fun part of everything. For the moment we talk on this, we message back and forth for hours talking about those games.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're starting to see some exhibition games. So we saw the big dunk tonight. I don't know if anybody saw that, but holy smokes, yeah. He went up and polsterized a poor kid from Shatterton State. Yeah, yeah. dunked him into the stands. But but uh, so they're starting, and then now now like I, I think we're officially in the the secret scrimmage phase of the yeah. off season, but, but for about another week or so, then we're actually in the exhibition phase. So slowly getting there.
2: Another great concept that the NCAA has is the secret scrimmages that everybody knows about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Should surprise no one. All right. Well with that we'll wrap up and we'll see everybody next week.